Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another Wednesday. I am your host, Fred Houston, and you are listening to this Stone and Tile show. Uh, the telephone number to call in if you have a question regarding anything to do with stone or tile issues, it is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. You can drop me an email at fhouston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I'm also sitting here on Facebook, so if you want to search for Stone Forensics, you can go ahead and send me a, a message there as well, and I'd be more than happy to uh, get to your question. Now, this week, I, I think I sent out a bunch of blasts on my Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all the social media places where um, I said we're going to talk about slip resistance. And this is a topic that I've done a lot of, a lot of work on over the past years because people slip and fall. Uh, right now, it is probably, or the last time I checked, probably the most common uh, or the number one, I should say, lawsuit in the United States for people slipping and falling. Now, that just doesn't include stone floors. It includes tile floors. It even includes slipping in the bathtub or shower, which if it's a shower, we're probably dealing with a tile. So I get called in as an expert uh, to take a look at these issues. So we're going to discuss them. But before I do, let me address what's going on or what what has gone on right now in the industry as far as the type of slip meter that is being used. All right. In order to discuss that, I have to back up a little bit. And first, I need to talk about the type of what we call coefficient of frictions are. They're primarily two types of COF, coefficient of friction. It's dynamic and static. For years, for years and years, we have been using what is known as the static coefficient of friction. That's, um, I believe the ASTM is C1028 or 1026. It, I should have written, wrote that down somewhere. But uh, anyway, it doesn't matter because it's no longer recognized anymore. Uh, the the uh, ANSI, uh, American National Standards Institute, as well as the uh, Tile Council of America uh, are now going to the dynamic um, readings, which uses the BOT 3000 meter, which right now, as far as I know, and as far as what I've researched, is the only meter right now that is approved for being used. It's written right in the standard itself. Uh, but anyway, let, let me back up again and talk about dynamic versus static. What static basically is, is what it takes for one surface to move against another, the force it takes. So these are all your slip meters that are basically you set up, uh, you pull them, that's the pull meter. Uh, American Slip Meter has one, which is what I've been using for years, that you actually, it's a standing position, it stays stationary until you pull it, and then it'll actually take a reading. So in other words, what it's basically doing is it's, it's measuring the force it's taking for that meter to slide across a surface. Now, that can be done dry, or that can also be done wet. Dynamic 
that was that static dynamic slip resistance is actual in motion so what the bot 3000 does is you don't have to touch it you set it on the floor you set it up it's calibrated uh, you do some prep work and you push a button and it moves and it's moving it's actually measuring the dynamic coefficient of friction so uh, with that said that the uh, ANSI, as well as, as I said, TCA and TCA has said that the only one we recognize now in the new ANSI standard is the dynamic. So for, I think those meters go for about, I think the cheapest I've seen them go for is about $6,000. So it's not a cheap meter, but that's what's being recognized. As a matter of fact, I had a, a call a few months ago from an architect friend of mine up in the Atlanta area that wanted me to test some tiles, and I did. And uh, he came back and said, oh, Fred, we can't use this, these readings. These are static coefficient of friction and not dynamic coefficient of friction. Uh, I don't have one yet. I'm in the process of, uh, of getting one. Uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll have one of those soon so I can go ahead and test uh, stone and tiles with the dynamic. And, of course, it's a field measurement. Uh, it's done in the field. So as long as you understand that, that we're, what we're talking about, let me talk about – how what slip fall cases there are out there, how you prevent it as a contractor. You know, most of you guys that are doing either installation work or restoration work, few fabricators have to worry about slip resistance. And if people are walking on your countertops, that's another whole issue altogether. But um, as far as, you know, someone slipping on your floor, I always tell my students a slip reading I don't care whether you take the static reading or the dynamic reading or what meter you use is only good for the instant that you take the reading. So, for example, for your restoration guys out there, let's say you're polishing a floor, you get done, you get all cleaned up, you're, you're packing the truck up, you're getting ready to leave for the night. Someone comes in, and let's say you take a slip reading before you leave. You take that slip reading, it meets the coefficient of friction requirements, which we'll get into in a minute, and um, someone slips and falls on that floor. Well, if they end up suing, now, please don't take this as legal advice. I'm not an attorney, but I've done a lot of these cases as an expert. Um, an attorney will try to sue everybody. They will sue the owners of the of the property. They will sue the people that are maintaining the floor. They will sue you. So, you know, basically what they're trying to do, and attorneys hate me, hate me to say this, is they're kind of spreading the wealth. They want to get as much money as possible. So you need to protect yourself as an owner of the building, as a manager of the building, as the people maintaining the floor, and, and as the contractor, even though you're in be once a week, once a month, once every three months or whatever, you still need to protect yourself. Now, how do you do that? And we're going to get into the details of how to do that. But the one term, actually it's two terms, two words that you need to know is record keeping. You want to keep a record. So let's go back to that instance I talked about a minute ago. You've just finished polishing a floor, whatever you've done to that floor, restored it, whatever. The last thing you want to do before you walk out the door is take a slip reading. Even though it's an instantaneous reading, it is now recorded. Hopefully, you're going to record that reading. Uh, that reading now becomes a record. You, know, you can honestly say, when I left that floor at 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday evening or whatever, I took various slip readings according to uh, ANSI standards, and I got these readings that were all within slip resistance standards. That is going to protect you, or, or at least 
Well, I shouldn't say protect you. What's, what it's going to do is help you in a court of law uh, to prove that you are competent, that you are, you know, the process you're using to either maintain that floor or to restore that floor is it, you're 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 not you're how, what's the word I'm looking for? You're within industry standards, so it's going to be harder to prove that you are at fault. Why this person slipped? You know, which you know brings me to another point: Why do people slip and fall? Well, you know, there's all kinds of reasons for slipping and falling. There's the way the person's walking, and I've been told by experts who uh, actually study people's movements that everybody walks a different way, a different gait. Uh, the bottom of one's shoes. Remember, it takes two surfaces to slip. So the bottom of one shoe, if it's a sneaker compared to a patent leather, uh, a flip-flop, barefooted or whatever, uh, two surfaces to slip and fall. What's on the floor? So let's say someone you know, spills a Coke on the floor and they step in that and they slip. Is that your fault? Well, if you're maintaining the floor and you don't clean that up right away or you don't have a policy for that, and again, we'll get into that in a few minutes here, uh, you could be held at fault. But it's not the floor that was slippery. In this case, it was the Coke that spilled on the floor. So there are many, many things to, to, uh, uh, to consider. Uh, let's get into that. Uh, I have developed what is called a program or a what I call a slip fall prevention program. And it's a, it's a it's a series of pages that I'll, I'll kind of go over right here that uh, will help you avoid a lawsuit or well I I really shouldn't say that you really can't avoid a lawsuit they're going to sue you no matter what I mean you could be um, you know perfectly you know honest and and had nothing wrong and still get drugged into court so you want to be able to protect yourself this is how you can protect yourself as a contractor if you're listening and you're an owner. Uh, of a building or you're maintaining the building, this will also protect you. And it's make sure you have a slip fall program. So the slip fall program basically starts out with an introduction and instructions uh, to the program itself. And then it has a statement in the very beginning of it, which says this, insert your company's name is committed to providing each of our guests and employees a safe walking surface. This matter is company policy and an important public program covered under the OSHA Act. We have therefore implemented the following floor safety program. And what that statement does, and I, I might even change that a little bit and add ANSI standards to it. Um, you know, if you're a contractor, you might want to add that to it as well. But that basically right up front in the beginning of your program states that you're, you're aware of the possibility of a slip fall. And this is what you're doing to prevent that slip fall issue, which again, is going to protect you when I shouldn't say uh, if you get sued is when you get when you get sued. So the next page basically is pointing out that you are aware of health and safety first. Uh, and it, the statement goes something like your safety is very important. Always keep safety in mind, whether you are completing your daily maintenance routine, measuring and pouring chemicals or cleaning up a spill. Read the safety data sheets for all the products you, you are using. And that actually should be part of your HASCOM program, which we're really not going to talk about in this, this segment today, but uh, that should be part of it. You want to read the lab labels. You want to make sure you have your safety data sheets available. That's on page one. The proper use of wet floor signs. Uh, those of you that are using wet floor signs, you probably see these little pop-up tent floor signs. Well, I've seen those challenged in court because they're too low. You can't see them. So if I were you, I would use their regular standard. What are they about? 
30 inches high or so uh, wet floor signs. And someone once told me that even those little pop-up low ones are not compliant. I don't know that. I didn't have time uh, to check, but I would want to make sure that I use wet floor signs. Uh, make sure they're placed where they can be easily seen. Uh, I would, if I were a contractor, I would take pictures of, you know, whether you're a maintenance contractor or whether you're a restoration contractor, I would set up my area that I'm going to polish, whether you tape it off, put up all your wet floor signs and stand back and take a photograph of it. So if you do get called to court, you can, you can say, hey, this is an example of what we do when we go in a building and we're restoring the floor, polishing the floor, maintaining the floor or whatever. So that becomes part of your – I would put that in part of your written, written program. Uh, the actual slip fall itself, uh, and, and again, what I'm doing is I'm quoting from the actual program itself, is that you will learn what needs to be done on a daily basis to reduce the chance of a slip fall accident. Being aware of potential slip fall situations, example, uh, someone spilling a Coke on the floor, uh, a floor being too wet, uh, when it's raining, keeping that rain off the floor, so keeping it free and clean of any kind of slip hazards. Uh, you want to have your procedures written out. Uh, what do you do when someone slips and falls? And this isn't, excuse me, this isn't just for the maintenance crew. It isn't just for you as a restoration contractor. It should go all the way up to management. You know, what? do you do? You know, the first thing you want to do, obviously, is make sure the person is okay. And even though that sounds um, like common sense, a lot of times it's not. People kind of avoid that. You know, go up to them, uh, ask them, you know, are they okay? Do you need an ambulance? I can call you an ambulance. If they appear to be hurt, do not move them unless you're uh, an EMT. Um, and that goes a long way. And that goes a really, really long way. I had someone tell me in the in a um, in the medical field one time. They said the doctors they get sued the most are the ones with the poor bedside manners. The ones that don't get sued are the ones with the great bedside manners. So you you want to be very accommodating to that person. If it's a hotel, you know, comp their room. If it's a restaurant, comp their meal. Uh, any of that uh, is going to. It's a little psychological tactic to make them feel bad if they want if they want to want to see you. So call them an ambulance, but. While you're doing this, you want to observe a few things, okay? Did you see that person walking uh, before they slipped and fell? If they did, write it down. Put it down as a, as a memo somewhere that I noticed this person was limping. I noticed this person was staggering. Uh, what's the demeanor of the person? The person just came walking out of the bar, which means he may have been drinking. Uh, did he appear drunk? Did you smell alcohol on his breath? Of course, you don't want to say all this in front of the person, but this is something you're going to write down immediately uh, when you've left that person. You also want to notice the type of shoes that that person is wearing. You know, are the sh bottom of the shoes worn? Uh, if you can take a picture of the shoes without being too obvious, I would consider doing that. Of course, with cell phones nowadays, that's pretty easy to kind of be sneaky about it uh, and take a photograph. Take a photograph of the surrounding area because that will show whether, you know, there was no hazard there or there was a hazard there for, for that matter. I remember years ago I was in a grocery store. And I was walking by this aisle, and I looked down the aisle, and I heard a crash, and a big, one of those big gallon-sized jars of mayonnaise fell off the floor and onto the, onto the floor. And it happened to be at an aisle where the deli was at the end of the aisle. And all the workers in the deli just kind of looked for a second and went back to doing all their work. Not one of them got on the telephone or the intercom that said, you know, spill in aisle five or, or whatever. Uh, so, you know, if I was that individual and I slipped and fell and I noticed that, I would definitely bring that up. Hey, 
you know, they, they just ignored me. You know, the employees ignored me. So very important not to uh, not to do that. So going on and on. Those are the type of things you want to write down and record and photograph as much as you, you possibly can, because it's all going to help your attorney and defending your defending your case. Um, OK, steps to avoid a slip fall accident. And a lot of these tend to be common sense, but I'm going to go over. Them. Again, we mentioned block, blocking off the access area to where you're being mopped or being you know, restored or whatever. Uh, spills. Uh, if you go into some of the big box stores like Walmart, um, you know, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, you'll see on some of the uh, pillars or columns, you'll see what they call slip fall spill kits. Those are kits that contain, could be something as simple as paper towels, could be something as elaborate as a box, uh, a mop and bucket that they use to clean up a spill. So, you know, immediately have a spill kit available somewhere that's easily accessible throughout the, throughout the building. Entrance mats. This is an area that when I teach maintenance and I teach restoration that I see lacking a lot. You can't take a three foot by three foot walk off mat on a 50,000 square foot lobby and expect that to clean all the dirt and everything off the floor. So you want lots of walk off mats inside the door and outside the door. And I think many years ago, someone once told me it takes about 15 steps for to remove someone's soiling and, and dirt from the bottom of one shoe. So, uh, keep that in mind. I know in some cities, like I was in New York City uh, a while ago, and it started snowing, the first thing they do is they put out all these walk-off mats and almost cover the floor completely to prevent people from slipping and falling. So you want to make sure that you don't only do that, but you want to record that. You want to have that be part of your maintenance program. You want to keep your mop and buckets clean, obviously. That, that should go without say. And you want to avoid sprays of any cleaners, especially things like furniture polish. Uh, sometimes they spray the leaves of plants in a lobby. Uh, that will actually blow over, over that and uh, get on the floor and make it slippery. You know, any kind of sprays or, 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 or things of that nature, uh, extremely important to keep those uh, off the floor. And then observation. And I'm going to say this throughout throughout today's uh, show is that write it down, write it down, you know, have a floor safety checklist list, which I have here and I'll go over here in a minute. All right, let me stop there for a minute for those of you listening live and give you the phone number. If you want to call in with a comment about this, I would love to hear from you if you've had an incident or you had slip fall or, or how you prevent that with your business. But the number again here is three, two, three, eight, seven, zero, three, nine, six, eight. That's three, two, three, Eight seven zero three nine six eight. Again, the email f houston at gmail dot com f h u e s t o n at gmail dot com. Or if you're on Facebook, go ahead and uh, send me a message there. I have both my emails and Facebook wide open here, so I can uh, see if you're chiming in there. Uh, or now, again, uh, if you're listening to this on the archive, you obviously can't call in live, but go ahead and email me a question if you have any concerns with that. All right. What are some of the daily steps? Now, I realize that a lot of you are restoration contractors. You're in that building, you know, maybe once a week. You're not in there every day on a daily basis. But these are instructions you want to give either the maintenance people who are, are maintaining it every single day or at least the building owner. And, again, give it to them in writing. And I would have them sign a 
piece of paper that basically says that you had given that to them. Uh, that way, when an attorney gets you in a court of law, and I've had this happen, where they say, well, were you given any instructions on what to do for this floor by the restoration contractor? And the guy says, no, they didn't give me anything. Well, you can come back and say, yes, I did. I gave it to you on such and such a date, and here's your signature. So you got them. Uh, so in, in today's litigious society, that's what you have to do. Record everything, get everything, in, you know, in, write it down in paperwork and have them sign off on it. So some of the daily steps. Obviously, you want to dust mop the floor regularly. Uh, use a non-treated dust mop. That's going to remove any soiling or something that, that could get it on there, uh, make it slippery. You want to clean up any spills as quickly as possible. And again, from the janitor right on up to the president of the company, they should all be aware of this. So if someone's walking, an employee is walking through that lobby and they see something spilt, they should be able to notify someone right away. Uh, use caution when cleaning up spills. Let's say someone spills a Coke on the floor, the example we're using. You know, block that area off right away. Um, you want to avoid broken glass, loose solids, you know, banana peels, you know, things, things, things of that, that nature as well. All right, so some of this is pretty, pretty easy, you know. You go clean up a spill. How do you clean up a spill? Well, you would think that would be common sense. But let me go over some things here because these are very important, especially when it comes to OSHA and if you get sued. Of course, you want to place your wet floor signs, block the area that's being cleaned up. You want to wear protective gloves and goggles. Uh, you never know. Someone slips and falls and there's blood on the floor. you got bloodborne pathogens as an issue. Use a dustpan and broom to clean up any broken glass or, or loose solids. Uh, with a clean mop and bucket filled with a floor cleaner, you want to mop up the spills, allow the floor to dry before you remove any of those uh, barriers or wet floor steins. Then I would go ahead and uh, check that floor again to make sure it's not tacky because not only do you have slip and falls, you have trip and falls as well. And I've seen that where someone trips over something as opposed to slipping over something, you know, an extension cord across the floor or something of that, that nature. When you're certain that that hazard has been cleaned up, take a picture of it. Even take a picture of it before uh, you remove the wet floor signs to show that, in fact, that is cleaned properly, and then remove it. Uh, and then the floor is returned to its normal condition. If you happen to have a slip meter, uh, which some companies do have a slip meter in-house, take a slip reading after you've cleaned it up. That's rare, but you do find it. Of course, bodily fluids, that's another whole OSHA issue. We won't get into that in detail. All right, I'm going to go over what is called the floor safety checklist. And this is included as part of your, part of your program. Um, and I'll just go through these real quick. If anybody wants a copy of this list, uh, go ahead. I won't give you the whole program because I sell these programs, but I will give you the, the checklist for free. Uh, just go ahead and uh, send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to send, you, send it to you. It's just one page. It's very simple. And it basically says to complete, be completed monthly. And it's called the floor safety checklist. On the top, you have the date. And then you have some questions here or some bullet points with a yes or no answer. And they are, are all floors kept clean and dry? And if you say yes, or even if you say no, under that, you want to put corrective action taken. In other words, um, you know, we had a spill. Uh, we clean it every day. If there's a spill, we dust mop it every day or whatever. Next question, are spills cleaned up immediately? Okay, again, you want to put down what is the corrective action for this. Are walk-off mats clean and dry? You know, not only do you want to clean your floor, you want to make sure the walk-off mats are clean. 
Our mats in good repair, lying flat on the floor. I've seen people trip over walk-off mats. I have personally tripped, have not fallen, but have tripped over walk-off mats. So you want to make sure that they're in good repair. Our floor is swept with an untreated dust mop, or I should say mopped with an untreated dust mop. And under each one of those, it's, it's again, corrective action taken. Our wet floor is clearly marked with wet floor signs. Has the floor maintenance been performed properly? Now, you should have, in addition to what I'm reading here, a separate floor maintenance program, which basically outlines what you do to maintain that floor. You know, for example, we dust mop it every night. We wet mop it. We auto scrub it. Whatever you do, that should be written down. You know, if you go into a fast food restaurant like a McDonald's or Wendy's and you go to use the bathroom, you notice there's a sheet on the back of the door and there's a signature on it. That's that person that went in there to clean that bathroom. That's not only there to show that that bathroom was clean. That is also there as a record. It becomes a record. Hey, someone slipped and fell in the bathroom. Well, you know, Billy Bob was in there at, you know, 2.30 and he, he did this. So detailed floor maintenance program. And it's amazing. It amazes me how many large companies don't have written floor maintenance programs. They're very simple to do. Have quality assurance inspections filled out. In other words, have a sheet that basically says, this is what I did to inspect this floor. Uh, if you go to OSHA.gov, O-S-H-A.gov, they have a self-checklist for OSHA violations, and it's, it's extremely long. I forget how many pages it is, but that will cover even the slip ball issues, things like, you know, extension cords, uh, you know, ladders, et cetera. So you might want to take a look at that, and that is free. Are maintenance personnel avoiding the use of products which have not been authorized for use on the floor? I've had a couple of cases where this was an issue where, you know, the purchasing department or whoever uh, recommended one product, they used another product, and that product was not appropriate. Uh, I had someone using a, a countertop polish on the floor, and most of the countertop polishes that they use, and what I mean by polish is a coating, is a wax. Uh, are extremely slippery when used on the floor. And I had a case one time where someone was actually using that material on the floor and it made it like an ice rink. And then our walk weighs clear of all obstacles or potential hazards. And, and that's basically the checklist. And on the bottom it says completed by whoever that person is, reported to, and a signature and a date. And again, extremely important to have that checklist. All right, moving on. What is your action plan? And this is all part of the slip fall maintenance program. You know, this is your uh, action plan for handling slip fall complaints. You know, approach the problem systematically and, you know, your guests will have more confidence and, again, hopefully not file a lawsuit. But if they do, you know, it's the old, you got your butt covered. So you want your floor safety checklist, which you have, and then you want to make sure you have an accident report form. And this includes you guys restoring the floors as well. You want to have a form, and you can get these free on OSHA. You can do them yourself, which basically outlines, you know, everything. Um, get a trained employee to handle the site immediately when that person falls, okay? Uh, assess the condition. We went over this before. Express verbal concern. Ask, you know, the, the, the person that has fallen, do they need an ambulance? Are they hurt? Try to find out, you know, what did you slip on? You know, be, be friendly. Don't be you know, uh, what, again, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't be defensive, you know, just, you know, be, Oh my God, I'm sorry. You fell. What did you fall on? Uh, we had a case, uh, in Miami many years ago where lady fell down a flight of steps and she blamed 
the the steps for not having the proper warning that there were steps there. And I've seen that. Uh, I've actually seen that in the medical building the other day when I was at the doctor's office at the carpeting leading down the steps is the same carpeting, same color carpeting. And it was this weird, you know, really pattern. It was really difficult to see the steps. And I have pretty good vision. I can imagine some older person doesn't have very good vision, won't see that. But in this case, they had surveillance tape. They, you know, they had a camera in the lobby, and this lady was texting on her phone. And if you really want to have a good laugh, go to YouTube and, and uh, type in text falling while texting or something to that effect, and you'll see all these people who are texting on their phone that fall into ponds, fall into fountains and malls. and It's pretty hysterical. Not funny for that person getting hurt, but it was their fault. It wasn't the fault of the floor being slippery or, or something like that. So uh, you want to make sure uh, you have your butt covered, in other words. Uh, try to find out the cause of the floor. Um, the type of floor, that's obvious. You, you want to put that down. You know, an attorney looking at that, or me as an expert, looking at a slip ball case, and I don't know, are we dealing with terrazzo? We're dealing with stone? We're dealing with carpet? Um, I, I had a case many years ago where someone had cleaned the carpet the night before and left it wet, didn't dry it out. And a lady was walking across the carpet, picked up the surfactant from the carpet cleaner on the wet carpet, hit the marble floor and was like a sheet of ice. Was it the marble floor's fault? No, that was safe. What was at fault was the carpeting either wasn't blocked off to dry or wasn't dried properly. So just things like that you need to be able to investigate. Um, location. You know, what, where was it? You know, exactly where it was. Take a photograph of it. Was it and, and then put it down. You know, was it near the front entrance, the waiting area, the baggage claim area? Uh, no, any food that was spilt in that area. You know, was it a, a Coke? Was it a food wrapper? Was it a banana peel? You know, whatever. Uh, was the area wet? Was, the, was it raining outside that day? Extremely important because a good attorney will go back and check weather records and find out, hey, it was raining at that time that that person slipped and fall. So observe that. Was it raining that day? Uh, take photos of the area after the guest has left. And again, record everything. Record it, record it, record it. I mean, down to the back, take the person's name. Was it a male or female? The footwear that they were wearing? Was it high heels? Was there any exposed nails in the shoes? You know, the type of shoes, uh, any physical impairments, we mentioned that. And anything that you can think of, you cannot put down too much. Okay, I do have in this program an accident report form, which I won't read, but it's, you know, I'll read some of it. Basically, you know, the name of the person, its age, sex, weight, all, all the, you know, in particulars there as well. So you have an accident report, report film. Uh, I have included a floor maintenance log in that program. And the, one of the forms I have in here, I think is extremely important. And that is what I call the employee safety training verification form. And I use this for the HASCOM programs as well as for the floor safety program. And the reason I do this is it becomes a document which proves that your employee has been trained. So let's say you're a restoration contractor and you have employees out there doing this work. You want to train them on everything that I have just mentioned. After they're trained, and, and you can see it doesn't take long. I've been doing this talking on the radio here for what, about 30 minutes? So it takes less than 30 minutes to you know, give them a copy of the program, have them read it, and then have them sign this, this verification form. This not only shows that those employees were trained, it protects you if that employee becomes a disgruntled employee. And I've had this happen with, with several companies where, you know, employee is fired, he's all ticked off, he goes and he 
you know, calls OSHA, calls the fire department, calls everybody and reports you. And I, they never told me anything about a slip fall program. They never told me anything about a HASCOM program. Well, you can whip this form out and say, yes, you were on this date, this time in this location. You had this instructor. Here's your name. You signed it. You got trained. We even gave you a copy of, of the program itself. And it says so right here. Uh, you know, this is to verify that today I have been given the following safety training. Proper dry and wet mopping procedure, proper walk-off mat placement, proper floor scrubbing procedures, spill cleanup procedures, accident report procedures, maintenance log requirements, use of chemicals, location of written safety program, hazardous awareness, wet floor sign placement, given emergency phone numbers and contacts, and how to treat slip falls. And it even has a statement that says, I have been informed who to contact if future questions arise and who to inform if I believe a situation is unsafe. I understand that I have a right to request additional training. So extremely important. And then the last page of the program just has a log of the coefficient of friction readings. You know, and even though I say that it's an instantaneous reading and only applies for that instance. In a, in a court of law, this is going to look real good on you. You know, here, uh, you know, I've taken a reading every time we've been in there and we've restored the floor. Or, you know, if you're a, a building owner, you know, we, we take readings or have readings taken every, you know, so often. And I've often thought it would be a really good business to offer this type of service to uh, your buildings. Go in and tell them, hey, I'll come in and do a safety audit. I'll charge you X amount of dollars per month, and I'll provide you with a report each time I come in on a monthly basis, and you charge them whatever for that. And uh, I know a few of my students have tried that, and I haven't followed up to see what success they have. All right, I'm running out of breath here, so let me give the phone numbers again, 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Again, my email is fhuston at gmail.com. Uh, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. And just let me take a quick look here and make sure I didn't haven't received an email before we get ready to sign off here. And we doesn't look like we have. Okay. Which is good. Not good. <laughs> uh, again, a lot of people listen to the show on the archive. I, I looked at the stat, the, the, the stats uh, the other day and uh, most of the people listen to this after the live version. So sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself, but uh, I know people are, are, li are, are listening. All right. So uh, again, I do offer this program. If you want to, I, I do offer it at, at, for purchase. I will send you the checklist for free uh, if you send me send me an email. So, you know, basically summing summing up what I've said. You know, very important to record everything. Um, you know, as far as safety goes, have a slip fall program. Uh, whether you're a restoration contractor, owner, uh, maintenance company, or or not. You know, I you know I, I know I said at the beginning of the show uh, a fabricator shouldn't have it, but now when I'm thinking thinking out loud here, if I'm installing a countertop, you know, say in a commercial kitchen, and someone were to fall while I'm installing that countertop, I could be blamed. I was just thinking I had a case like that one time that, you know. The, the, the process of installing my countertop. In other words, let's say I put down some kind of paper, you know, to protect the floor and that paper was slippery. They could slip on that. You could be blamed. So I take back what I said in the very beginning of the show. If you're a fabricator, do it too. 
you know, have a floor safety program. It's, it doesn't take much uh, and make it one of your, your, your bullet points for say, your monthly safety meetings that uh, OSHA will require from you. So uh, again, all right, I think I'm going to wrap things up for this show. I think we spent a lot of time on, on slip fall. If you have any questions whatsoever, uh, go ahead and send me an email at fhouston at gmail.com. And we will see everybody next Wednesday at the same time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Everyone have a great week and a great weekend. This is Fred Houston signing off. See you all next week. Okay.